Hello and welcome to episode 56, part 1 of Pay-Per-View, where I review the papers and big headlines over the week and place the bets and headlines in their true context in the weekly podcast. And the first subject of part 1 this week is Brazil. This is in the Express. No chance. France rejects Trump demand to give Brazil NATO membership. The US leader, who once described the alliance as obsolete, has been unrelenting in his criticism of his EU allies, accusing them of not spending enough on their own armed forces. French Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Agnès von der Mool said NATO is an alliance of nations linked by a collective defence clause in conformity with the Washington Treaty of April 4, 1949, which defines the geographical field of application. Article 10 of the alliance's founding treaty confines membership to European countries. Brazil could follow in the footsteps of neighbouring Colombia and join NATO as a global partner. Mrs. von der Mool suggested adding that such alliances strengthen international stability. The alliance reached a partnership agreement with Colombia back in May 2017, saying they would cooperate on global security areas like cyber and maritime security, terrorism and links to organised crime. Colombia is currently the only Latin American nation in the alliance. Other global partners include Afghanistan, Australia, Iraq, Japan, the Republic of Korea, Mongolia, New Zealand and Pakistan. Such partners do not necessarily have to take part in military action but are fully accredited in Brussels. Mr Trump fled to the possibility that Brazil could become a full-fledged member of NATO after security talks with Conservative President Jair Bolsonaro, or Jair Bolsonaro of the White House on Tuesday. He said, I intend to designate Brazil as a major non-NATO ally, or even possibly, if you start thinking about it, maybe a NATO ally. We're going to look at that very strongly in terms of whether it's NATO or it's something having to do with the alliance. I have to talk to a lot of people, but maybe NATO ally, which will greatly advance security and cooperation between our countries. Washington's relationship with Brazil has never been better, he added. He said, I think there was a lot of hostility with other presidents. There's zero hostility with me. Mr. Trump has in the past slammed the military alliances obsolete, and shortly after a NATO summit last July, he questioned whether the U.S. would honor the alliance's founding principle of mutual defense for newest member Montenegro. At the summit, Mr. Trump accused his European allies of freeloading on the protection offered by U.S. troops and threatened to pull out of the alliance if they did not significantly increase contributions to their own defense. Pledges to spend up to 2% of national income on defence by 2024 must be met by January. Washington warned at the time, ignoring the reality that most NATO allies currently spend just half of that and would struggle to comply. Mr Trump was also backed Brazil's efforts to join the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, a club of the world's largest economies. Brazil, the world's eighth biggest economy, applied in 2017 to join the OECD, which is some three dozen members, including the Latin American countries Mexico, Chile and Colombia. Well... I talk in episode 49 about the obvious US coup in Venezuela and placing the context of other revolutions and regime changes involving the West and their geopolitical agenda. The West wants to take over South America. It's all part of the West taking the world over. If a country has a far-right regime, the West supports the leadership because the US and Israel favour far-right regimes, being far-right regimes themselves. Although with Israel, it's more out in the open. It's no wonder the US supports Brazil, becoming part of NATO, even though NATO is only supposed to operate in the North Atlantic, hence the name North Atlantic Treaty Organization. But NATO is not a military organization to police the North Atlantic. It's a military organization designed to be fused into a world army and a world government to command the world army. So the more NATO operates outside the North Atlantic, the more it's preparing the ground for it to operate as a world military organization. This is what the recent calls for a European army from Macron and Merkel are all about. 
they claim to have just come up with the idea when it's been in the planning all along. They're just front people to articulate the agenda because that's all political leaders are. Just as Silicon Valley needs front people to sell the technological agenda, which I talk about in episodes 10 and 11, politics needs front people to sell the political agenda in all the various areas of society that that affects. And the political agenda is ultimately the elite's agenda. People say Merkel is the most powerful woman in Europe, but there's a very simple rule of thumb, and this applies to everybody in any country, in any position of power, in politics, past, present or future, or beyond politics. If you can see them and name them, they're not the real power. The elite, this elite I talk about, the less than 1%, that which controls, that which controls the deep state, even within the elite, this rule of thumb still applies. It's the members of the elite family bloodline network you don't see who have far more power and knowledge than the elite members you do see. So Merkel is nowhere near where the real power lies. In terms of this world army agenda, America has comms or commands planned all over the world, but they're not for the American military, they're about building the world army. The American military is not the American military, same with any country's military. Any nation's military is the national branch of the global military network and that which controls the military, as I plan to go into more detail about relatively soon. America has bases surrounding Russia and China because the West has long planned a conflict with Russia and China to justify global conflict, to justify a world government and world army to stop it ever happening again, even though they'll be driving it happening in the first place. The world government will be the unelected elite of the Hunger Games society. I talk about in episode 4 and 31 with the military law enforcement in the end plan to be robotic, as I talk about in episode 16. I talk more about the West's foreign policy in episode 49. The world army is designed to impose the will of the world government on any region which doesn't play ball with the world government. I say region, not country, because the plan is to break countries up into regions, megacities as the United Nations calls them in its Agenda 21, or smart cities, same thing. That's what all this smart energy grid is about, all the talk we hear about that with smart meters, which takes us on to the transhuman agenda, which I talk about in episodes 10 and 11. So these are the connections you don't get in the media, because they'll just focus on one story only, They don't know there's any other connections into anything else, never mind what those connections are. So a story about, for example, this one, Trump wanting to make Brazil part of NATO and France rejecting it. The media has just focused on that story as that, on that level. And it just takes what's been officially said about that and repeats it. It doesn't know if it's true or not, but it repeats it. Whatever the official line is on any story. And that's the point of doing pay-per-view, because... Once you see the context and the connections, then instead of just seeing pixels, you see the whole picture. Instead of just seeing a strand in the tapestry, you see the whole tapestry. And then society and world events look very, very different. So this particular story is all about building this global command structure for the world army as part of a much wider control structure of a global human society. And the next subject of part one this week is social media and advertising. This is in the Daily Mail. British advertising guru is calling for Google and Facebook to be broken up for sucking the life out of the UK. 
One of Britain's most influential advertising gurus has called for internet giants to be broken up, accusing them of sucking money out of the economy and damaging business and society. In a withering attack, Sir John Hegarty, in a man behind the famous 1980s Levi's laundrette advert, and Audi's Vorsprung Dirk Technik slogan, said companies such as Google and Facebook must be regulated more strictly because they have turned into monopolies and are not putting enough back into the economy. Google and Facebook have become so powerful that experts believe they account for as much as 90% of all new digital advertising spending in the UK. So John, a legend in the advertising industry who helped set up giants Saatchi and Saatchi and Bartle Bogle-Hegarty, believes it is inevitable the Silicon Valley firms will be broken up. They're sucking money out of the economy, not paying tax on it and destroying what they've left behind, he told the Mail on Sunday. All corporations want to monopolize. It's in their nature. They'll grow as fast and as big as they can, exclude competition, dominate the market, keep it where it is. But he believes there will be a breakup with the possibility of Facebook being forced to sell Instagram. His criticism follows the release of a damning review into digital competition for the government by Jason Furman, a former advisor to Barack Obama. Mr. Furman called on the UK to lead a global crackdown on tech giants' dominance and accused the firms of bullying tactics. He said the Competition and Markets Authority should be given powers to block takeovers of smaller rivals. The report said the US tech giants had swallowed up 400 smaller firms over the past decade, highlighting Facebook's takeovers of Instagram messaging service WhatsApp, as well as Microsoft's deal to buy LinkedIn, the social media platform aimed at professionals. Last week, Google was fined $1.5 billion by the European Commission for stifling competition in online advertising. But Sir John said, Google are making nearly $9 billion profit a quarter, so when you find them $1.5 billion, it's like taking somebody out for lunch. Well, the internet giants have become a monopoly, not by accident, but by design. Their military operations, as I talked about in episode 19 and episode 37, I've explained how they're everything the military would want in terms of surveillance and censorship, and I've described the various methods of censorship of the internet giants in episode 27. These companies now have the greatest concentration of surveillance and censorship power the world has ever seen. And this is all leading to the point where the only information and content people will ever see and hear is what the authorities want them to see and hear, or don't mind if they see and hear. The surveillance also allows the authorities to find dissidents challenging or exposing authority and the official narrative of events and the world, and to restrict their access to the basics of life, not least money which is designed to be merely credit. The internet giants have not become monopolies by accident. They had to become monopolies to allow this agenda to succeed. The military are not controlling the competition. So if the competition were to challenge or overtake the internet giants, they're not necessarily working to this agenda. Therefore, they'd be run in the interest of their users, at least far more than the internet giants are anyway. So this agenda would not be able to play out in anything like the way and on anything like the scale this agenda demands. So destroying competition and becoming a monopoly is not just about advertising and profit. It is on one level, but it's also about this agenda. The agenda trumps money every time and is always the prime motivation. This explains the lack of regulating of these internet companies' activity, because if you represent the agenda, you can get away with actions that the competition would face consequences for, which is also part of destroying the competition. I've heard it said that the world, at least in the West, is a capitalist-run society. But we don't have capitalism, we have cartelism. We have a network of corporations and organisations, the major ones of which are working to implement the elite's agenda in ways I explain in episode 25. They may appear to be separate companies with separate motivations, but they're all connected by their implementation of the agenda, which is their prime motivation. There's another element to the monopolization of advertising, and that is because these internet giants have been created to be a major source of information and content for the global population, then as these internet giants have such a monopoly, 
2.5 billion estimated Facebook users last figure I saw. They obviously dictate the advertising people see to a large extent and a massive influence on what products people buy. They can restrict advertising for companies or organizations selling products or offering services which the agenda doesn't want. So the only advertising people ever see is from companies or organizations either not a problem for the elite's agenda or those knowingly working to implement and advance it. The constant pressure on Facebook, for example, to crack down on certain advertising on its platform is exactly the same scenario as pressure on Facebook to crack down on certain content on its platform. It's all leading to the point where all people will ever see, hear and buy is that which suits authority and the elite's agenda, or at the very least, that which does not challenge or expose it or at the very least, that which doesn't challenge or expose it, because the social media giants are just extensions and expressions of military intelligence. That's how they become so popular, and that's where their monopolies need to be broken up. And the final subject, and the final subject of part one this week is the Labour Party and anti-Semitism. This is in the Jewish Chronicle. Suspended Labour activist Jackie Walker in White Millionaire Elite rant against Jewish MP. Suspended Labour activist Jackie Walker has launched into a hate-filled rant against veteran Jewish MP Dame Margaret Hodge, accusing her of being a member of the White Millionaire Elite who has engaged in black Jew baiting. The former Momentum Vice Chair also claimed she was the victim of a lynching led by the Zionist Jewish Labour Movement and their supporters. Miss Walker posted the 15-minute video on her Facebook page in which she twice suggested she would have been treated differently by Labour had she been a white Jew, criticising an article that appeared in the Daily Mail about Miss Walker's two-year-long suspension from Labour, in which Dame Margaret was quoted. Miss Walker says, I think it's absolutely extraordinary that someone from the white millionaire elite can use their power in this way. Suggesting it was extraordinary Dame Margaret had not been suspended herself for calling Jeremy Corbyn a fucking anti-Semite. She then added, I say to Margaret Hodge, it's time you stopped your black Jew baiting because it's not very pretty for somebody who was a part of the white millionaire elite to put herself out as a victim and Jew bait a black Jew. You talking about you felt you were worried. You could remember your ancestral memory of suitcases by the door waiting for the Nazis to come. Try being black in this country. Miss Walker was suspended by Labour twice in 2016. The first time for saying Jewish people were financiers of the sugar and slave trade. She was later reinstated but was suspended again for saying she had not found a definition of anti-Semitism she could work with after questioning why Holocaust Memorial Day did not commemorate other genocides only for it to be pointed out to her that it does. In the Facebook rant, Miss Walker claimed there was a reign of terror over Labour that prevented voices such as hers from being heard because of their power and access to the media. She then claimed the party would be treating evidence used in her hearing differently if I was a white Jew. She said, I accused the Labour Party machine and those who operate it of conscious and unconscious racism and the party of structural racism against people of colour and how dare John Landsman talk about unconscious racism? Ask him this question. Would he allow this to happen to a white Jew with anti-Semitism? Would he? And we all know the answer to that. Miss Walker claimed that she has been informed that Labour will not use the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism at her hearing or any other definition claiming that it had made a special Jackie Walker definition. She then added, neither are they going to take any definition, academic or otherwise, of the meaning of the Holocaust. They are not interested that blacks have been talking about an African Holocaust since the 1920s at least. They are not interested that Churchill talked about an Armenian Holocaust. Because their interest is upholding a lynching court to make sure the head of a Jewish black woman is put on the plate for the Zionist Jewish Labour movement and their supporters. 
Miss Walker said as a pro-Corbyn Jew she was being attacked. She said she was facing a lynching court at Tuesday's hearing that had been structured by racists. Well, whether or not Jackie Walker is correct in what she says, certainly some of it is correct. She has the right to express her opinion, because if she doesn't, then we don't have freedom of speech. And if we don't have freedom of speech, then we have no freedom. Momentum is an Israel-supporting political organisation connected to the Labour Party in Britain, and it operates on behalf of the elite Zionist agenda, whether it knows that or not. Elite Zionists are targeting members of the Labour Party, as I talk about in episode 10. One of the reasons, apart from that which I talk about in that episode, for this targeting of so-called anti-Semites in the Labour Party, I feel, is clearing out anyone in the Labour Party who might criticise and be a problem for Israel were the Labour Party to get into power at some point. They want those people out before that happens so so that there will be a Labour Party in power which will be no problem for Israel. The International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism adopted by the Labour Party is fundamentally connected to the reason why the Labour Party was originally being targeted as I explained in episode 10. Jackie Walker talks about a reign of terror. Well, there's certainly a reign of terror against anyone criticising or asking questions and making legitimate points about Israel, as I explained in episode 34 and explained why this happens. The Labour Party is caved in the face of the pressure to adopt the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism and to remove any anti-Semitism within the party, which in truth means removing any criticism or questioning of Israel. Zionist Israel control of politics, not just in Britain but around the world, especially in America, is absolutely extraordinary and I'll be going into this in far more detail in the next few months. And when people see the scale of elite Zionist influence and control in various areas of society, in politics, military intelligence, banking, corporations, organisations, entertainment, Hollywood, the media, Silicon Valley, I'll be going into that last one in great detail in the next few months. And it will show this technological agenda being operated at Silicon Valley in a totally different light. I've already talked about that in episodes 10 and 11, among other episodes, but it will show who's really behind it. DARPA, I've talked about before, and an organisation called InQtel, in the letter Q, tell. And I've talked about that before in episode 19, but there's more to know, and that's what I'll be going into. When people see this scale of elite Zionist influence and control, and then they see the massive imbalance between the Jewish population of many countries compared with this elite Zionist Jewish and non-Jewish people in positions of power and decision-making throughout society in all those key areas, and the fact that this has been the case for decades, then you might ask why that's the case. And the answer to that is why we're seeing this anti-Semitism hysteria, which is just a protection racket for Israel and Zionism, elite Zionism, because that's what they don't want people knowing. It's not actually about at all in any way, shape or form, Jewish people, the organisations behind this exploit Jewish people, including those who died in the Holocaust, sickeningly, to shut down people who are revealing what they don't want revealed about Israel, and even more importantly for them, elite Zionism. It's not even about Israel, really, ultimately. It is massively, to an extent, don't get me wrong, but ultimately it's about elite Zionism. That's what's driving what Israel does that they don't want Israel criticised for. They don't want Israel criticised because open debate and 
criticism being publicly heard on a wide scale of Israel, if that's followed up, you eventually get elite Zionism. So with Zionism, this is the most important thing. It's not even really about Israel, ultimately. So they want to shut down criticism of Israel and elite Zionism, and that's why it needs to be exposed. So that's it for this week. That's the news. That's the context and connections. That's pay-per-view. More to come next week. Until then, goodbye.